Hey, peeps, this is Trish. I want to share something with you today. So back in the day when I was starting Spring OT, we had grown, we had some admin help, we had a therapist or two, and I had systems, let's put that in quotations, meaning I had like spreadsheets and Google Docs and more spreadsheets and a few emails. And finally, my therapist and my team, very small team, begged me to do something all under one umbrella. No more duct tape systems, they said, Trish. Please, please get a real system. So what did you do, Trish? Well, Ashley, let me tell you, <laughs> I always talk about time being precious and needing to buy back our time because we've only got two assets. We've got time is money and time is the most limited resource that we have. I'm on a mission to help OT entrepreneurs save that time, no more $10 tasks, so that you can use it for what really matters. And that is being the CEO of your company who can implement your growth. Only you can do that. Agreed. So, yeah, I know. I know you believe in this. So when you have systems in place, everything just falls into line. That chaos that you feel turns into order. The duct tape goes away. And you know, you become clear and have more control. So I want you, the listeners, to imagine what it would be like to have more time to pursue the ambitions and the mission and the impact that you want to have as you grow your OT business instead of just drowning in all those routine tasks. So you turned all that chaos into order and <laughs> yep. you got a system in place yep. and not just, you know, papers and Excel and duct tape, but you got an EMR that exactly. brought everything together. That is exactly why I built Therabyte for OTs just like you who are growing your business. And I know that that's a past version and a current version of you as you step back into working a little bit with clients. So uh, if you are still looking for that EMR to suit your needs, Therabyte is the EMR for OTs. So head over to therabyte.app to learn more about it. And if you want to hang out a little bit more with me, not only did I build the Therabyte, but I'm also guest coaching in Trisha's program, Road to 100K, until the end of June. We're so check that out, a, too. We're happy to have a systems expert in there. Thanks, Ashley. You're welcome, Trish. Take care. Therabyte.app. Hi there. Welcome to OTs Get Paid the podcast for OT entrepreneurs, where we learn about everything you need to know to move from thinking like a therapist to acting like a CEO and making good money along the way. Are you curious how to continue to be true to your mission of helping others as an OT and get paid what you're worth? Do you want to know the best tips that add zeros to your bank account? Do you wonder how other OTs do it too? I'm your host, Trish Williams. A Canadian, a mom, a not-so-closet choir nerd, an occupational therapist of over 26 years. I spent most of those years loving my profession, but secretly wishing I could get paid a lot more. Did I feel like I had an important job that had great impact on my clients and society? Check. 
Did I also wish I could feel validation in that work through getting paid enough to feel financial freedom? Check, check. So finally in my 40s, as a single mom who needed to get real with my income, I built two six-figure businesses, including my latest as an OT entrepreneur coach at Trish Williams Consulting. And through this, I heard the secret shame that others felt the same way too. So I'm raising my voice and raising my profile of this issue and probably raising my prices. I'm here to talk about OTs making money. So let's do like Scrooge McDuck and dive into those giant piles of gold coins and get swimming and start this episode. Welcome, OT entrepreneurs, to the OTs Get Paid podcast, episode 66. Today, we will be discussing how your money mindset impacts your ability to bring revenue into your business. You may or may not have noticed that I often go by two titles, coach and consultant. The company is called Trish Williams Consulting. You'll see on my website, trishwilliamsconsulting.ca, because we are in Canada, that I often use those two terms interchangeably. And there is a reason. Most people like that. I am reflecting upon one coaching client who was very adamant that there would be no coaching and it would be all consulting. And it was hashtag GSD get shit done, which we totally laughed about. And by the way, you need to have that relationship with your coach or consultant. You need to be like, okay, you know what? You're giving me too much of this. You're not giving me enough of this. It was great. I heard exactly where they came from. And in the end, they will admit that they actually used and valued both coaching and consulting. Coaching is more guiding. Consulting is more leading and pointing. OTs want both. And it's often hard to lean into the topic of money mindset and sell money mindset as a value in my products, in my group coaching, my CEO payday, or my one-on-one coaching, especially because OTs are very, very savvy consumers. You want a return on the investment. You want to know the method, you want to know the frameworks, you want to know if it worked, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So if I said, hey, I'm going to sell a money mindset group coaching program, I think a lot of you are like, cool, and yet, what else? As you know, there are three pillars in the OTs Get Paid framework that I use for all coaching and all programs, and that is increasing profit, increasing clarity, and increasing impact to get you to become a paid peep. And mindset is really baked throughout all of my programs and coaching. At the end of the day, I want you to make more money and spend less time and gain more freedom because that's what I hear from all the OT entrepreneurs in our community on repeat. And you want something concrete. As I said, I'll help you with your money mindset isn't a great purchase point for you OT consumers. So as we lean into the money conversation, I want to discuss before we get to our guest, the four different levels of money. 
and talk about where the average OT typically fits. As you know, I'm always about identity and allowing you to understand where you are at in each stage of your business. It's why I created the OTs Get Paid Quiz, which is really a growth quiz. It allows you to see where you are in the growth of your business, whether you're in the start, which is underpaid therapist with a business, grow phase, which is feast and famine, business owner, or scale phase, which is CEO with money to spare. If you don't know where you are, because we also give you actionable steps of how to get to that next level, then go take the quiz. It's on the website, also in the podcast resources below. I also want you to think about where you fall on these four levels of money. This is from James Wedmore. I took his BBD live or his BBD course, business by design course, quite a number of years ago. And there's some things that I still hold on to. The first level of money is survival. I mean, we have studied our theory. We know Maslow, hierarchy of needs at the very bottom is really survival mode, right? You're trying to be fed and clothed and clean, and you are just trying to get the basics in place. Most, if not all, of the OTs that I speak to, whether they are in one of the three phases of business, start, grow, or scale, are not in survival mode. They might be in different times. You can think of natural disasters that have recently happened in Florida. You can think of times where you might have been ill, a partner lost their job, lots of life events that put us more into survival mode, but we don't really all live in that mode. The next level of money is saving and hoarding. This is where we make money by holding on to it, says James Wedmore. So there's a lot of cutting expenses at home and in your business, keeping every single solitary task, everything you have to do is yours and yours alone. And that includes any task that's outside of your zone of genius. So in my programs, I teach people about their zone of genius. I teach people about the difference between, like, realistically, like, what are the $10 tasks? What are the $10,000 tasks? And where are you spending your time? And where should you be spending your time? And if you're in a saving and a hoarding mode in your business and in life, you are just taking, grabbing, holding on to it. The third level of money is comfortable, meaning you're not fixated on it. You know that money is a tool to get you to your goals. You are not thinking paycheck to paycheck. I mean, some days, some months you are, especially around the holidays, maybe, <laughs> or the summer when a lot of us take some time off. But, you know, you can take a holiday. You can make progress towards saving towards a goal like university for your children. The idea that you can get ahead of your mortgage, the idea that you have emergency savings for any healthcare crises, those of us that listen in your countries that don't have national healthcare, et cetera, et cetera. And the thoughts of abundance begin to come in. You begin to understand that there will be more and that there is enough money to really go around. You don't need to push anybody else in the world down in order for you to be raised up. You can look at whoever your competitor is in your business, and you can begin, you can have an inkling to say, good for them. The fourth 
level of money is being rich and abundant. And that means using all the money that you have. You are all in to use money and manifestation and abundance. You are usually a money despair CEO in terms of your business level, your growth scale level. That's what Rachel Rogers calls them. And money flows in and money flows out and you are living your best life. I would say most OTs that I speak to are between level two and level three, the saving and hoarding and the comfortable. Particularly those people who are, well, I was actually going to say something out loud that I don't believe with. We'll leave this in. We won't edit this out. I was going to say most people that haven't started their businesses or are in the road to 100K in the start phase versus the growing 100K club plus phase. And I don't think that's true. And here's why. Because the average OT is a typical bootstrapper. We are an under-acknowledged profession. Most of us are female or identify as female, and we have that female marginalized experience. We do it all. We have a service heart, and we really eschew anything fancy. You know, we're really happy, most of us, to get the latest Yeti water bottle, and our phones are probably not new. And, you know, the real goal is a holiday with the family or enough money in the bank to be able to get some freedom from your job or hire somebody. And there's nothing wrong with that. It makes it harder to get over the thoughts and beliefs that we have. OTs especially come in with a set of beliefs. Let's talk about them. I've written some of them down. And this really gets in the way of wealth. Wealth in terms of, you know, really having multiple streams of income. Investing. What are you investing in? Are you able to give back largely to your community? Are you able to pull your child out of public school and put them into private school on a whim if all of a sudden it is needed? Forget about it. Most OTs don't exist in that space. And even the OTs I know that have that kind of money coming in and they are focused on the impact pillar and what they do with it are still very humble and they still can't quite believe it that they have these kinds of resources at their fingertips. Let's talk a bit more about the money myths specifically and the, you know, sticking points or the beliefs, I guess, of what OTs often think. And again, this is from experience, and I'm an OT too, right, of listening and talking to many, many OT entrepreneurs. The first is the harder you work, the more money you make. Not true. There will be a podcast episode coming out soon about how you can work 35 to 40 hours a week and make $100,000. I'm going to be busting down this 80-hour-a-week myth because I hear so many people that are comparing themselves to those who are working 80 hours. Hey, Trish. Yes, Ashley? As an OT entrepreneur who's just starting to make money, I bet you've thought, oh my gosh, I just got my first few clients. What the heck do I do now? Don't worry. At Therabyte, we have you covered. We heard you and we created intake and consent templates just for you. So you've downloaded the template and now you can say, amazing, I know exactly how to get my client started. Oh, I wish I'd had this in the beginning. I pulled everything together and 
needed something this efficient. Okay, so where can listeners find these templates, Ashley? Super easy. The link will be in the show notes. You just hop over to our website, find templates, and you've got your download. Sounds great. And feeling like a failure when you compare yourself. Your business is a machine. There are levers to pull. There are steps. There are systems. There are some critical pathways and checklists that we all can do. They're universal concepts, whether it's online, whether it's bricks and mortar, whether you're in product or in service. It is not the harder you work, the more money you make. Another one is OTs don't make a lot of money. This was and can remain at times my money story. I grew up with parents that were successful in terms of money. My children's father very well-educated at Harvard Business School, had a job in investment banking, did very well for a few years, and talk about being, and I've, I've said this publicly, talk about being in those rooms, talk about living on campus, being surrounded by people who had probably already made more money before they even got into grad school than I had. And really, I mean, it was also the 90s, but there was like a, a misogyny, a diminutive, a talking down to me. And I truly remember thinking, well, there's no way, right? When you're competing with hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars a year. And in fact, one of the people from my kid's father's graduating class is Andy Jassy, who is now the head of Amazon. He's making coin. (laughs) I've never met the man. I have no understanding of what his character is. He has not spoken down to me at a party, but that happened a ton in the 90s when I'm 27 thinking, Oh, my story is OTs just don't make a lot of money. It'll never happen. Another money myth that I hear from OTs is avoiding debt at all costs. For the first time in my life, I have debt in the business because I tried to do something with the OT Entrepreneur Summit that didn't get pulled off in the same way that I had hoped. And I also took some time off. And that is okay. Debt is not a reflection of revenue. It is a separate piece of entity and money. And as I begin to understand it more, we will do a podcast on that. Now, I am not telling you to run out (laughs) and accrue debt. I am also telling you that from a cash flow perspective, from like a line of credit, if you are still building up your emergency resources and happily, you know, we had quite a few because I sold the clinic, there is, you know, not all debt is bad. Dave Ramsey, if you listen to him, which leads into my next point, you can make money by cutting all your expenses. You can get ahead in life by eating rice and beans, by cutting out your lattes. I have a love-hate relationship with Dave Ramsey. I think he has some great advice for the average person. I can only say American because that's how I know his major audience and the amount of debt that they accrue and how many people are spending themselves into debt. And I don't see OTs doing that. That's not what I mean. I mean that like tight, feeling like you've got to, you can, you know, save $100,000 by eating rice and beans. Now, have I cut back on my takeout? You bet. Am I being more prudent with my spending as we begin to see a recession on the horizon at this point of this recording in 2022? Absolutely. Am I cooking more at home to save money? You bet. But that's not from a fear. That is from, I'm going to be careful and intentional with my resources. 
Am I going out to a concert tonight with a friend? You bet I am. I'm intentionally not spending a lot of money on takeout to keep some in the bank. It's not the same as needing to eat rice and beans to get ahead in the world. And the last money myth that I hear from OTs is selling is hard and marketing is too random. It's like throwing spaghetti against the wall. Neither of those things are true. Marketing is very systematic and step-by-step, and we have a masterclass coming up about that. And selling is all about relationships, and OTs are the best relationship builders I personally know. So as I go through some of those, I bet there's some that resonate with you, and I bet there's some that I haven't mentioned that are coming up, and I'd love you to think about those right now. So those are the problems that I see and why we're diving into this episode. So what are the solutions? The solution is really understanding how money mindset plays a role for you in amassing revenue, money, wealth in your business and in your life. And really, the secret is shifting a belief. We talk about this in the podcast episode with my guest, but I'll say it again. A belief is just a thought and it's impacting you. And most of the time it's impacting you negatively. So what are you going to do about it? So I invited a guest to help us discuss. Our next guest is a high performance coach and consultant that serves driven professionals ready to reach their highest potential. This person considers themselves an operator, a processor, your tactical partner, your business bestie, strategist, and implementer. A lot of the things I am not. (laughs) Their superpower is bringing dreams and vision into reality without hustle. We love, we love. They love taking the spiritual, practical, and combining traditional business practices with energetics. We both share the belief that there needs to be more wealth in the hands of more women, which as most of you know, is the mission for Trish Williams Consulting. And she references one of my favorite authors. We'll talk about this book. And that it's entirely possible for women to show up authentically and serve without sacrificing who they are as helpers and to make money. And the skills that they acquire as an OT have created the foundation for their business. And today we are welcoming Tanya Peterson. Welcome, Tanya. Hello, hello. Hello, hello. (laughs) I am so excited to have you here. You and I have known each other in and out through just being in the space, I guess, right? Did we first meet the Melissa LaPointe's program? You know, I don't remember how we first met, but yeah, like a lot of the same circles, I think, and just kind of overlapping and Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm excited to have you because you are one of the OTs in the business space who is really, I can see your hunger. I can see your the the engine churning in your belly for growth. Yes. And sometimes I feel a little bit alone in that. <laughs> like mm. a bit of a like, sometimes everybody else feels a little more gentle than I do. And I'm like, let's <laughs> make this a better place for everybody, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and I see that in you. Is that like the most backhanded compliment ever? Or do you, you, know, do you know what I'm no, talking about? No, because I own it. Because I feel like for so long, when women were equated with ambition, it was in a negative perspective. And it's completely okay to be ambitious. It's completely okay to want to better your life and better the you know people around you. So no, I own that. I'll take that as a compliment all day. Thank you. Great. <laughs> okay. I love it. What's your Enneagram, by the way? Do you know? I'm a three. Yeah, I can see it. Are you yeah, like I'm a, a three. pure three? 
Uh, I'm trying to remember. I was definitely a pure three, um, and I think closely followed by a two. Okay, so we're flipped because I'm a two with a three. Oh, okay. oh my gosh, no wonder we get along great. So those <laughs> of you who don't know the Enneagram, a three is like, I can't remember what they call us, like the achiever. Isn't that what a three is called? I can't remember. I think it's so. been so long. And the two is like the helper. So I always feel like I should even be better at owning, like I kind of have the perfect Enneagram for leading mm-hmm. OT entrepreneurs because I'm like, listen, I get the helpy piece. I'm Mother Teresa too. And <laughs> I'm also an achiever and you're like the achiever first and then the helper. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So Tanya, tell us how you get paid, meaning tell us about you and what you do. So I believe in having as many sources of income or revenue as you can. So especially passive, with many passive sources of income, you can make money as you sleep. That's the dream, right? We want to be sleeping and waking up to, you know, paid invoices. So I get paid for one-on-one coaching. I get paid for group coaching. I also do online business management, which means I go into the back end of small businesses across the nation and I completely take over for them. I build their systems. I standardize their processes and streamline their operations. I really, really love high-level strategy. So it really lights me up to do that. I love just you know forecasting things and creating ways that they can make more profit and be more efficient. You always want to work less and make more, right? Work smarter, not harder. So I get paid through, I don't know if you want like specifics, but I get paid through on my Kajabi site. I get paid through Stripe. I also have a square system set up so I can, you know, send invoices through there. So there's a few different ways I can get paid. And do you do this for all different types of business or is this for OTs? I have, I started with just OTs and I have within the last year, I have branched out the, you know, universal problems that a business faces are pretty common. Like, you know, lack of communication, lack of standardization, lack of streamlining. So the business principles apply to more than just, you know, OT. So yeah, I I have worked with all different types of businesses and I love it. I love, you know, learning all different things, all different businesses and yeah, serving. I'm so, I didn't know that. I'm so thrilled to hear that. And I actually say the same thing, but in terms of an online business versus a bricks and mortar business, people are often like, oh, well, I need to hire an online business person. I'm like, no, you don't. It's the same thing. Like the marketing, digital marketing is different, right? But Mm -hmm. the principles, the rinse and repeat principles that I teach everyone as well are similar for like bricks and mortar. And and, and I have a brick brick and mortar business as well. So I kind of have the dual, I've done both. So yeah. Tell me about the bricks and mortar. So the brick and mortar is kind of a winding story. So I opened... as all things are in my life. Um, So I opened the brick and mortar in 2019 at the end, October of 2019. And it was a play cafe. So it was a combination. Yeah, it was a combination of a coffee shop. And then I had an indoor playground, which was, of course, you know, developmentally appropriate, all the OT things, you know, as management, you know, imaginative play and fine motor and sensory and all that good stuff. As we know now, 2000, you know, 2020 came around and the, uh, the pandemic hit. So in March, you know, COVID was ramping up. We were told one day that, you know, everybody was shutting down for two weeks, you know, quote unquote, two weeks. My business had literally just, I mean, we were like five months in. Two weeks became six weeks, became eight weeks, became. So I uh, tried to reopen a couple different times using a different business format. We did like uh, tutoring pods for kids who were doing online schooling and their parents could, you know, had jobs. So they, I hired a teacher 
the parents would drop their kids off. We would log them in and then we would supplement the time with, you know, different activities and crafts and they got to play in the play space. You know, then COVID kind of revamped again. I have my own kids and they, you know, would go virtual then go back to school and then go virtual. So it was not sustainable and it was too um, unpredictable, really. Everything was unpredictable at that time. So I tried to do that. So then what ended up happening, I was like, you know what, this is, I was fully online at that time. And I was like, this is, this is too hard. Like, I can't predict what's going to happen. I love being online. I'm available to my children. So what I did is I tried to sell the business. But what ended up happening is I actually connected with a therapy group and we partnered. And now they run a early intervention therapy program out of my space three days a week. And they, they do everything. So it was kind of a strategic partnership. I'm not even really involved anymore. So kind of took a, on a life of its own and it's still serving. It's still, you know, filling a gap in our community. We didn't have anything like that prior. There was no services in a setting where you could get everything all, you know, PTOT speech, special ed in one location and that socialization piece. So, and a lot of the kiddos that did start the program, that was their very first time because they were like COVID babies their very first time ever interacting with other kids or being away from their parents. So I think, you know, the original, as we do, we pivot when we need to. And the original idea, maybe it didn't sustain itself, but what it is now is something fantastic. And I'm really proud of it. So I'm so glad I asked yeah. that follow-up. <laughs> such a great story. And, you know, you don't talk about that pivot I don't hear shame or heaviness or anything or apologetics in your voice. And the other thing, very concrete, is we don't hear a lot of stories about strategic partnerships on this podcast. Mm. And I'm very glad that you brought that up. Quickly, we know you're an Enneagram 3. We know you were an achiever. As you're talking about this, and as, you know, I can see so clearly how you've changed and pivoted and, and created different business models for whatever is sustainable for you. So there's the drive, but like, what's the, what's the why behind all of this for you? The why for me is, you know, I just want to be a change maker. I want to better my community. I want to better myself. I want to better the people around me. And I think when you lead from a place of service mm -hmm. and how you can impact other people, improve their lives, make things easier for them, you don't have to feel shame if you have to pivot. And, you know, quote unquote, failure is not really failure. It's it's a lesson. Mm. And there's more knowledge to be gained from failing than there is from success. So I don't think I failed. I think I shifted gears and made the necessary pivot because of the environment and things that I couldn't control. I controlled what I could. And something beautiful was born. Maybe it wasn't what I initially thought it was going to be, but it's working. People are you know getting services that they need. The community is being served. And I feel like from a mindset perspective that you need to be really just receptive and intuitive and listen to like, listen to yourself, listen to your gut. Like we just talked about this before we started recording, like listening to yourself and being intuitively guided and not being so rigid and stuck on what you thought something was going to look mm -hmm. like, because rarely in life do mm -hmm. things turn out how we anticipated them. So I just try to be flexible and go with flow. <laughs> Kind of. Also, kind so kind I, actually, of. <laughs> I actually have a podcast on this too. It's, uh, I can't remember what episode, but it's intuition versus data-driven decision-making. Mm. And I can hear you talking about that. And again, those of you who are listening, I have talked about very similar 
things that Tanya is talking about in terms of the OT Entrepreneur Summit where we didn't make the sales that we thought we were going to make. And there's like a whole podcast on when a sales pitch fails. Go listen. It's a goodie. I bear my heart. The last while I've been talking about my physical health and how I've been taking some time off. I don't think I apologize for it when I turn on the microphone, but I know you're not apologizing for it. Mm -hmm. And I think (laughs) it's so healthy, this embodiment. Okay. I want to follow up. Let's put a pin in it to talk about that mindset because that's a big Mm -hmm. focus of today. I do want to talk about your income and your impact goals for your company this year and going forward. Share that with us. So I obviously believe you should always have income and impact goals because your impact is your why. And if you have a strong enough why, you're going to continue, you're going to persevere, you're going to you know be committed to your mission. So having just straight income goals alone is not and not enough because as soon as something goes wrong, as soon as you quote unquote fail, you're you're going to stop because it's too hard. But if you have a greater mission or a greater purpose or a passion that fulfills something, that will keep you going even when the numbers don't look good or you know the business doesn't look like you thought it was going to look like. So my income goals, I feel like I have built my foundation over the last few years. So my income goals are really now just more consistency, more passive income, you know, revenue generating things. So less trading time for money and always just being receptive to opportunities and, you know, making sure that my, my vision isn't too narrow because there, there's an abundance of opportunities. I mean, just connecting with, you know, old friends or old colleagues and they like, you know, I have this, this, and this on my plate. Like, would you like to help me or partner with me? Or there's just, there's so many, you know, it's an abundant universe. There's so many opportunities everywhere. So just really, you know, becoming more consistent with my income and impact. I just want to continue to serve and help and support and empower and uplift as much as I can. And that can take different shapes, whether it's coaching or creating a course or, you know, online business management, helping somebody with their operations behind the scenes so that their life is easier and their business is more profitable. So really just consistency is what I'm going for and always, always big impact. What, can you throw a number at us of a goal that you have for the future perhaps? Yeah. So I would say consistent, you know, five figure months every month. It's tricky as a contractor because, you know, you do have contract start and contracts. And so that's where those, you know, passive income generating, you know, other streams of income come in. And, you know, there's other things I want to explore. Like I want to explore investment opportunities. I, you know, my husband and I have talked about investing in like an Airbnb mm-hmm. and the Adirondacks. There's so much mm-hmm. out there that you can do. And I think as OTs, we're like, oh, we have to do private practice or we have mm-hmm. to do consulting or, you know, I have to do X, Y, and Z because that's where my knowledge and skill set lie. I didn't know anything about business. Mm-hmm. I knew nothing. Yeah, me too. I mean, we didn't get like... I know you're in Canada, but I'm assuming that the foundation of our education is pretty similar. Like we were taught to be employees in college. Mm -hmm. I was taught to, you know, serve a rehab director or serve an insurance company. And that's who ultimately decided how much I got to make. And I'm not going to say when I pivoted, it was easy. I mean, there was definitely tears. There was definitely days where I, you know, cried myself to sleep. Or I I remember driving around in my car with my windows down, like blaring music and just Mm -hmm. like thinking about my situation because I went from having a business to literally within a couple of weeks being told, you know, you had to close indefinitely. Mm-hmm. So my, I went from some income to no income mm-hmm. to nothing to, you know, 
And that was another lesson I learned. Like, I never want to be in that situation again. I never want to have all my eggs in one basket. I want, you know, if something doesn't go right, all right, well, I want five other ways to continue to make money. So I was scared and, you know, fearful and had no money coming in. And I decided that that was not okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) um, And I started investing in myself. I, you know, got coaching. I took courses. I taught myself the things I needed to do to be successful while still homeschooling my children (laughs) or virtual schooling and being available to them in the crazy world of COVID. And I think sometimes when you're at that low point, quote unquote, you do what you need to do to Mm -hmm. survive. Corey Rowan and I have spoken on a podcast episode about culture in the workplace. And Corey's a single mom and has a, you know, million dollar plus business in San Diego, a pediatric clinic. And we have talked about that, like, there's no plan B. <laughs> like, there's no plan B for mm-hmm. Corey and I, especially because we're both single parents. And, mm-hmm. and and I know that you're not. And yet that same flavor is coming through. Yeah. And I think, you know, there is an interesting fork in the road, so to speak, of one of the last podcasts that I put out was with Kylie Etz about people that don't love find Kylie. success in it. Me too. Don't find success in it and get a job. And I wanted to highlight that. I wanted to highlight that there's nothing wrong with choosing, well, and mm-hmm. seasons and ups and downs in business yeah. and to like get, you know, make sure that the income still flows to you and how that impacts the business that you wanted to have or mm-hmm. to continue to have. And yet, I'm always interested in that apex that like who is who is the person that chooses the job and who is the person that's like oh hell no I'm going <laughs> to make 10 grand next month right <laughs> and I know that you believe in that and I want this to segue into more money mindset because I know that you share my sense of your business is a money making machine and mm-hmm. you can make $10,000 in 10 days I've seen you I've seen you talk about that online <laughs> uh, and I think that there's a mindset that I want to talk about today. It's not just like, I can teach you how to do that, right? That's not a problem. Mm-hmm. It's, let's talk about some of those money mindset and some of those limiting beliefs for, yeah. for OTs. So at OTs Get Paid, we talk about three pillars. We talk about profit, clarity, and impact. And before we go and have Tanya talk more about this, I want to remind people that this really is under the profit and the impact pillar. And that's why mm-hmm. it's so important for me to bring this forward as a topic. It's woven mm-hmm. into all my programs and coaching, and yet I've never isolated this as a topic for the podcast, which is why I'm so excited. So why does this topic interest you so much? Oh, so I love talking anything. <laughs> I can my... see you like rubbing your hands <laughs> with glee in a way. Yeah, I, I, love, I love this topic because it's traditionally so taboo. Like we're not supposed to talk about money. We're not supposed to discuss our finances. And, you know, up until what was it? The 1970s, like women weren't even allowed to have their own bank we account. We couldn't have a bank account. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so everything was done through our husbands or, you know, our fathers. So the fact that we have, and, you know, I try to remember to be a very grateful person, like gratitude is a huge core value of mine. Every day I try to look at my surroundings, my home, my family, my community, my friends, and just thank the universe, thank God and say, I'm so grateful that I have all these things. And I do want to add that, you know, if a job did 
I'm not opposed to taking a job if it aligned with my core values and my mission. So I don't want to say, you know, my business is an end all be all because if an opportunity did present itself that allowed me to, you know, move towards my goals and still have impact and still have flexibility and freedom and, you know, do the things that I love doing, I I would take it. Um, I, I would be dumb not to, I think. So again, just being receptive and always looking for opportunity. But the reason I love talking about this is because, you know, I don't know if you've read the book, We Shall Be Millionaires by Rachel Rogers. Yeah, I think I, I mean, I read it. I love that book. I was just going to ask you, I I read it. I was in Rachel Rogers coaching program. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. I love that book. Yeah. Yeah. But she, you know, we're just, women are just different than men in the things that we do with our resources. We're, you know, and this is coming from studies and statistics, not just my own personal opinion, but we're you know, and Rachel breaks this down in her book very well, but we are more generous, right? We create micro economies. We donate more. We, we just, when women have wealth and resources, they make the world a better place. Mm-hmm. So it's very important to me to talk about these things because, you know, I don't want women to play small. I don't want women to feel like they're, they're not allowed to be ambitious and they're not allowed to want to make money. I want them to embrace that part of themselves and release the shame because, the more resources and money that you have, the more impact and the better the world is, right? When the right people have the right resources, they can do whatever they choose to do. They can donate to charities. They can volunteer because they have the time. You know, if you're stuck in this place of scarcity where you're worried about, how am I going to pay my bills? You know, how am I going to make my mortgage payment and put food on the table? Then you're not going to be thinking about, you know, oh, I'm going to go volunteer. I'm going to go donate to this charity or I'm going to, you know, release this free piece of content. You're you're in survival mode. And it's just, that's not a place where we can have the biggest impact. When we embrace wealth and we embrace abundance, that's when we can have the biggest impact. So that's why I'm so passionate about about this. Ditto. It was actually working with Rachel Rogers who helped me build the framework for OTs Get Paid. And I mentioned three pillars and I won't talk about the subsets right now, but it was under her guidance that it all gelled for me. And that's why impact is one of the pillars. I actually did a podcast on it. I had to look it up. It's season one, episode 17, why wealth is so important for OTs. Mm. And actually one of the resources right there is We Should All Be Millionaires, her book. And so, yeah, I, I knew it. And yet when I, now she's a US citizen and she's also a person of color. I am neither of those two things. So the stats in her book are more heavily skewed to that. And yet it really, spoke, it put words to something that was in my belly that I couldn't mm. describe. So I completely resonate with that. And I've talked about it a ton. So that's why you love this topic so much. Let's talk a bit about how you practice, like what is money mindset? It's a two-parter. What is money mindset Mm -hmm. to you and how do you practice it? So the first part of money mindset is to be aware of your beliefs around money. Mm -hmm. You know, we are shaped from the beginning on different ideals and different beliefs surrounding everything. And money is one of the biggest topics that we're taught about from a very, very young age. And, you know, if you grew up in a home where you didn't have, there wasn't, you know, enough money to pay the bills or you had to go without, or, you know, your parents argued about money, you internalized all that stuff. Mm. And it's somewhere in your subconscious. And now when you go to make decisions regarding money, Mm. you might not even be aware of it, but all those deep rooted beliefs and stories that you've adopted are, you know, being utilized when you're making those decisions. So I think the first step to having, you know, a positive relationship with money and a positive money mindset is to 
do the internal work. Like, how do I feel about money? Mm-hmm. If I want money, but I'm constantly demonizing people who have money, you know, you know, they're spoiled or they're, you know, all the things that we say, those are two contrasting beliefs. How can I bring in money if I'm demonizing the people that have money and telling myself, I don't want to be like them. What is so, a belief? A belief is something that you feel to be true based yeah. on a story that you've either been told or you've adopted as truth. Exactly. And that is so key. I actually parented my teenagers with that as a middle of our, I, I actually put a quote about that on the fridge. <laughs> I love that. Much I, I believed in them challenging beliefs because a belief isn't real. It's not real. And we put so much weight into something that is not real. And it also guides your behavior and mm-hmm. it guides your outcomes. And I wanted to tell my kids, like, just because that kid in the hall you think doesn't like you is just a belief. So mm. phew, away with it. Just because you think you are more of a math and science kid, a STEM kid than an arts kid, phew, you know, away mm-hmm. with it. Like that became so central. To, I believe in that. I believe in what you're saying so much as I made it like a central tenet to my parenting for when the kids were in tough teen years. Just so I'm like applauding it. I love that. Hey, I, I, you know, my kids are, uh, I have a seven-year-old daughter and my son's about to be six. And I try to incorporate that too. And my daughter is just one of those people that naturally just attracts good things. Like she, I mean, my husband and I joke about it all the time, but like she's had people come up to her like hand her money on, mul- <laughs> on multiple occasions. Like it's happened more than once. So I always am like, Adelina, like, look how abundant you are. Like, look how, you know, and I just try to instill in that. I don't want her to, you know, come from a place of scarcity. Cause that's definitely, you know, I definitely did not grow up in uh, a high income bracket. My mom was a single mom as well. And, you know, she worked multiple jobs mm-hmm. and we still sometimes couldn't pay our bills. And we, you know, mm-hmm. sometimes couldn't, sometimes didn't have lunch money. So all of those things obviously were integrated into my subconscious and it took a lot of work mm-hmm. to undo the things that I felt to be true about money and my relationship with money. And I think that's step number one that's is to really A, example. identify your beliefs, Yep. write them down. Mm-hmm. And I think another really important part is to identify where it came from. Like, where did you see that or what story or, you know, Did you read it in like even magazines and Rachel Rogers talks about this in her book too, is, you know, if you take a men's magazine, you take a women's magazine, the men's magazines can talk about all about investment and uh, how to make your money, make you money and uh, all this other, you know, business related stuff. And then you pick up, you know, an glamour cosmopolitan and it's like, stop spending money on those lattes. Like those lattes are gonna, that's why you have no money. And then we're, so we're told from very young age from multiple places that we're just not good with money. Women can't, you know, hide those Amazon purchases from your husband Mm -hmm. because you obviously don't know what you're doing with money and you are a, you know, frivolous spender. And we're just told that all the time. So Mm -hmm. the first step is just undoing all, Mm -hmm. am I allowed to swear on this podcast? All that shit. Yeah. (laughs) Undoing, undoing all that bullshit that you've, that you've integrated into your subconscious. And then Mm -hmm. I like to, and I do it all the time. Like it never ends. Mm -hmm. Like I still get scared. I still, sometimes go back, you know, it's very easy to revert back to your former beliefs or things you thought you got over and they're still there. So the other thing I like to do is a write down the belief, write down how it came to be. And then I like to negate it. And I like to provide evidence of the contrary, you know, like there's not enough money to go around, you know, 
I see people with yachts, like, you know what I mean? There's people with yachts in the world. There's people who couldn't survive on 10,000 a month. There's people that couldn't survive on 100,000 a month. Mm -hmm. So just looking around and negating those beliefs and providing yourself with evidence in your brain, you know, your brain believes what you tell it to believe. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So you can make it believe anything you want. It's not easy. And it's, you know, you have to consistently work on it and it never stops. You're always working, you know, new level, new devil, as they say. Mm -hmm. So I'd forgotten that quote. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's step number one. And then once you have broken down those beliefs, adopting new ones that serve you and talking about coming from a scarcity perspective versus an abundant perspective. And I think being being intentional with your money is also really important. Like if you're just purchasing something because it's on sale and it doesn't fill you up or make you feel expansive, then maybe that's not an intentional way to spend your money. So just being really intentional. And I've told I've told people this for years and they actually think I'm bonkers. <laughs> rarely buy things on sale. Like rarely. Because when I buy I'm thinking clothes really like more kind of incendiary stuff. I will save up for like a Sephora sale because I know what I like and that's very mm-hmm. intentional to me. Mm-hmm. In terms of like for example, the top I'm wearing right now is made in Canada and it, it's like a small woman-owned brand and it fits mm-hmm. perfectly and I can like dress it up. I can dress it down. Not that I'm going <laughs> wear anymore. But, um, you know, like I f- paid full price and I, I couldn't even, I don't even remember what I paid for it, but I've worn it a million times. And how did you feel when you bought it? Yeah, I felt great. Like I you knew felt good, it, was, right? it was an easy purchase for me because it ticked yeah. all the boxes, especially mm-hmm. in the, like I run really warm. So I wanted it to have some like viscose to it. And it's got, it looks good like on camera, but it's comfy enough to almost feel like jam jams because I work at home, like, you know, the whole nine yards. Mm-hmm. So I've, I, I like that you brought up that point and I didn't mean to hijack your list. It's oh, no, just okay. to say that I've said that forever. Like I have things, I think I've told this story before. I have a scarf that I bought and the scarf, is the cost of a mortgage payment. Like the scarf <laughs> is, well, a small mortgage payment. It's coin, that scarf. And I bought it in 2007. And I probably wear it at least twice a week. Especially in, like in, in Calgary, you can wear a scarf in July. <laughs> like, But it's wool and it's like silky wool. So it's like breathable. Anyways, they owe me money. The scarf owes me money right now. <laughs> and I, I don't wear it all the time because it's so valuable. I mm-hmm. spent money on it because it was the perfect fit for what I needed. Mm-hmm. And years later, no, I'm dead serious. It's probably like 0.00001 cent to wear. So, I, and, and it's always backfired. Like, you know, sales, stuff hangs in my closet. Yeah. Yeah. Or, you know, it falls apart or. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The fast fashion-y piece. I totally agree. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me other ways that you practice your money. So, so, you know, just trying to be really, really intentional with, with my money and changing my language around money. I was Mm -hmm. definitely one of those people that was always like, oh, I can't afford that or Mm -hmm. um, things like that. So just changing, changing the way you talk about money and Jensen Chero's book too, how to, oh, yeah. the yeah, um, badass at making money. She talks about treating money as you would treat somebody you're in a relationship with. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and the energetics around attracting money and repelling money. And she actually, one of the exercises I did from her book was I wrote a letter to money. Like it was a person and I said, dear money. And I talked about, you know, when I was in a bad place with money, how, you know, it always let me down, how I desired it, but I also repelled it. And, you know, it, 
was never there for me when I needed it. And it was a really eye-opening exercise of how I viewed my relationship with money. So now I try to be really intentional with the way I speak about money. And, you know, instead of saying I can't afford it, I would, you know, I say, I'm not, I don't want to invest in this now. That's exactly what I say. My daughter actually said to me, she's away for first year. And she said, hey, mom, after my first year, let's take a mom and daughter trip to Europe. Wouldn't that be cool? She's on Enneagram 7. She's all about like the butt. No, what did she call it? The vibe. She's all about (laughs) She'd actually be like a really good Instagram influencer. She actually really would. Um, (laughs) And I'm just not that person. And I actually said, instead of saying like, no, we can't afford it or no, there's a recession or no, I had a like, you, you know, a rougher year in business last year. I just said, no. And she was like, why? And I said, well, you know, I'm being more prudent with what I choose to spend on right now because I did mention a recession coming, but it wasn't from a place of, and she got nervous. She actually said, mom, you're making me so upset. And I'm like, well, there's plenty in the bank, babe. Like your life Mm -hmm. is not going to be affected. You still get to go to university. (laughs) You still get to like, you know, there's a car and food and a house when you get here. It's, I'm not choosing to spend Mm -hmm. money on that right now. I've certainly spent a ton on coaching. Right, yeah, and I send up, she goes yeah. to university six hour flight away. Those are those are like really high financial costs in mm-hmm. Canada. It's really expensive to fly, so I practice that all the time. Mm-hmm. I totally agree. Okay, so I want to. We talked a little bit about this before I press play because we are getting into some super woo right now. <laughs> we talked about like writing a letter to money and I always listen with my third ear to how our listeners are going to listen. And I know there's a lot of people that are leaning in really excited that we're talking about this. And I think that there's some people that also kind of went, whoa, you lost me on the letter to money. Mm-hmm. Here's what I want to explore with you. I'm not an expert on this, by the way. I want to have a conversation around this because I don't really know the answer. My brand is called OTs Get Paid. I literally talk about money all day long. And I'm happy to, and I love blowing the taboo, as you said, first thing in the interview. And yet, how do we balance the woo with the logical? So when people Mm. hire me, they want me to make their businesses more profitable. They want me to save them time and make them more money. That's it. That's why people hire me. And so how do we balance the woo versus the logical? How do you do that, Tanya? So I was somebody who was very, like a few years ago, if you had mentioned anything woo-woo or manifestation, anything Mm -hmm. in that ballpark, I was the first one to roll my eyes Mm -hmm. and, you know, be like, okay, no, that's not. That's not how things work. So I am a logical person. And so when I started exploring these types of things, and really the first introduction that I really had into it was through James Wedmore's Mm -hmm. business by design program. Mm -hmm. Um, And he is all about taking, you know, processes and standardization, but also the mindset piece and the spirituality piece and finding the center and combining those two things. And so I started doing my own research, right? My my own due diligence. And I started looking into quantum physics. Mm-hmm. And there's also, you know, a part of me that's always believed that there's something bigger than us out there. And, you know, there's things that happen that we can't explain. So I just started reading about it and about, you know, how things vibrate and how attraction works and how things repel. And I came to a place where my logical side of my brain and the spiritual side of my brain, I could make sense of it. So 
and the more I started practicing it. And, you know, when you start to see the results, right, when the things that you're doing start working and you're getting that, that feedback loop, then it's much easier to believe. But when you are at the beginning and you've set patterns in motion and things continually happen to you, like maybe you do get some money, but a bill unexpectedly shows up or something happens, your car breaks down. And as soon as that money came in, it's already going out. But it's all about perspective and mindset. So instead of saying this constantly happens to me, I'm just not good with money. Every time I get a little bit of money, something happens and I can't control it. Like that's giving your power away, right? That's making things outside of you control your internal state. So instead adopting the perspective of, okay, this happened. What was my role in this? How did maybe I initiate this? You know, my check engine lights been on for months. I did nothing about it. This was going to happen. It just so, just happened when I got money. So, you know, controlling what you can control, adopting the perspective that you are powerful, you are an intentional creator, and the things that happen in your life, you do have some power over. Not everything. Like, we don't have any power over the pandemic. And I could have, if we go back to my initial story, when my business closed, I could have been like, all right, that's it. That, that, obviously this isn't for me. I should go back to teaching because that's what I was doing prior. I was teaching at, at a college that was safe and stable. And, you know, maybe entrepreneurship isn't for me. That's what all, everything, literally everything is telling me that my business is closed. I have no money coming in. Everything around me is sending me the message that maybe this isn't for me. But again, that's allowing external circumstances to control what I'm doing internally. And I just wasn't going to stand for that. <laughs> I hear you. I'm nodding vigorously. I am nodding a whole lot. I have that feeling. Exactly what we talked about in the beginning. I have that exact same feeling. So, you know, I, I do have power. I can do things. There's tons of people who make money online. There's tons of people who start businesses during recession. That's actually the most common time to start a business is during a recession. Yeah. So instead of sitting here and having a pity party for myself, I'm going to start learning things, filling in knowledge gaps and finding a way to generate income, even if I can't do it in the way I thought I was going to do it. Mm -hmm. So part of that, so there's the logical versus the woo. Part of that is writing a letter to money. Part of that is also learning some like hardcore skills and working on your mindset every day. Yeah, exactly. You're going to show up. It's just a belief. So the number one belief I believe that I see in OTs constantly, and it was a biggie for me too, is like, well, OTs just don't make big money. OTs just don't make good money. And I fight against that every, not every day in my head anymore, but oh my goodness, that's the number one money story I hear OTs mm-hmm. coming to me with. And it's a it's a daily practice mm-hmm. to not let that belief take over. I mean, it's a neural pathway right now. I have to like start to unbreak yeah. it. Yeah. Oh, I okay. should tell you the story that happened Yeah, yeah. Me. Tell me a story just, and then we're going to go into the uh, rapid fire questions. Just, just last week. So I forget, you know, that people... I don't forget, but it's just not front of mind that people have still mindsets where they don't believe that we should be paid for our knowledge and expertise. And I had posted, you know, promoted myself, you know, I'm having this class, X, Y, and Z is the investment, blah, blah, blah. And somebody commented who was an OT and said, you know, basically I'm paraphrasing, but was basically like, how dare you charge for this? You, If you know how to do this, you should give it away. Interesting. Now, a few years ago, I would have immediately retreated into myself and said, oh my God, like basically I'm, I'm an imposter, like they're right, like I should give this away. But you know what? 
instead of doing that, I responded and I, you know, we actually had a discussion and a lot of the times, like if you're starting a business and you're listening to this right now, a lot of the times if you're getting, you know, negativity or hate from the internet or friends or whoever, it's more about their own personal story or something that happened to them than it is about you. It's really not about you at all. So I got into a discussion with this person and what had happened is they had invested in a program and got burned Mm -hmm. and put all this money down and, you know, didn't get the results or the outcomes that were promised. So they had taken a situation, which we do this all the time as humans, right? We took something and generalized it. If this was what happened to me, then this is probably what happens to everybody. Mm-hmm. And what ended up happening is she, you know, apologized. She's like, you know, this really wasn't helpful. We had this really deep discussion. She ended up deleting all her comments. But if I had acted from that place of, oh my God, she's right. I would have immediately taken that post down. And I think that's a lot of the reason why a lot of OTs especially are afraid to get out there and put their services out there because there are mindsets like that. But, you know, I just reminded myself, you know, I spent a lot of time and money and investments Mm -hmm. to learn this knowledge. Mm -hmm. And I do free stuff all the time. I have tons Mm -hmm. of free content all the time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there is nothing wrong with me knowing the value of what I have to offer. And really, it's just an exchange, right? It's just them giving me something for me giving them something back. That's essentially what money is. It's just an exchange of currency. Like you go to the store. You want to buy a stick of gum and it's a dollar. That's an expensive piece of gum. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably that in Canada. <laughs> an expensive country. But, <laughs> and our taxes. But, but the, you know, that gum becomes more valu- valuable to you than that dollar does. And you exchange it for it. And it's really, it's an exchange of energy. It's essentially all that it is. And uh, I was talking about this in a group the other day and I had done a live and I said, you know, we're talking about, you know, money is evil, like all these things that are ingrained in society. Money is evil. Money is the root of all evil, blah, blah, blah. And so what I did is I, I think it was like a $5 bill or a $10 bill or something. So I took it and I said, okay, if this is evil, like if I set it down right now and I'm not controlling it at all, is it going to like start raping and pillaging or what's like, what's going to happen? What power are you giving that $5 what bill? What power am I giving? Mm-hmm. So I put it down, like nothing's happening. It only has meaning, the meaning that we give it. Mm-hmm. It's not good or evil. Mm-hmm. And you know, and Rachel Rogers said this too. She said, you know, if you're a generous, kind person, if you get money or wealth, it's only going to amplify those things. Yeah. If you're a shitty, selfish, mean person, mm-hmm. that's already who you are. Money is only going to amplify that. Mm-hmm. So, so I just wanted to share that story because- oh, uh, it's such a good story. Because, yeah, and and think, it was another OT too. Yeah. And you know, I think that's the delicate balance. And I'll say this and then we'll go into the rapid fire. You know, very, very, very practically, the way to make more money is sell more stuff. Get in front that's of more it. people. Yeah. That's it. Sell more stuff. Extend more offers. If you want to make more money, make more offers. And some OTs still really don't love that. They don't love it from you. They don't love it from me. They don't love it for themselves. And that's why I love this episode, because even if it gives you pause and you ask yourself why, I haven't, quote unquote, solved that issue, by the way. Sometimes I feel like I'm speaking Greek and this <laughs> is speaking like French. And I'm like, why? You know, and then I just remembered that's okay. Like, I'm not ashamed of where I am in my life and what, you know, who I am and mm-hmm. how I show up and what my mission and passion is. But yeah, it's a it's tricky business. It's tricky business for OTs. And I just want to acknowledge that and say there's solutions out there. Mm-hmm. And if 
you are unhappy with people selling to you, if you are unhappy selling, there's practical ways that you can get over that. And also there's this money mindset piece. So thank you for sharing that story. I love it. Okay. Rapid fire questions. Okay. Tell me your biggest personal money splurge. Ooh, my biggest personal money splurge. You know, it probably, you know, in the grand scheme of things, it might not have been a huge investment, but at the time uh, in 2020, when I, my brick and mortar shut down, I invested in, you know, a coaching program. Mm-hmm. Um, That's business and, related. You jumped the question. Oh, you okay. want personal? Bus- That's, we'll do the business. <laughs> business related. Okay. Business good. related. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, so I invested in a, in a coaching program when I had no idea where my next paycheck was coming from. Mm-hmm. And I do want to also say that my situation, I do have a husband who also has an income. Mm-hmm. So I realized that's a privilege mm-hmm. and I, I don't want to say that, you know, I was in dire straits and about to live on the streets and, mm-hmm. and so it wasn't invested, 10 grand. invested. Yeah, exactly. but I, I did make an investment with my own money that when I wasn't sure mm-hmm. how I was going to recover it. Uh, so not that? only was it scary, I did, Good. I did. Yep. So have I. And that's Mm -hmm. actually one of the things I've gotten really, really clear on, and I'm sure you do the same with your people, but the OTs that I serve, I'm very clear on like, what is the return on your investment that you got? Mm. Because we have two assets. It's really time or money, right? Right. Did you make more money? And did you spend- One's renewable and one's not. Yeah, exactly. So yes, great. Then I've done my job because- that's really key. I, I hear you. Nobody's. Get, I'm not going to sell you swampland in, uh, I don't want to say Florida right now because they've just experienced something terrible. <laughs> but, you know, yeah, there has to be a return on that investment. And anytime, anytime I've invested in coaching, I've got it back as well. I agree. Mm-hmm. Okay. So what about your biggest personal splurge, Tanya? Oh, my biggest personal splurge. Probably just vacations with my family. Mm-hmm. Just, uh, being able to, you know, my brother lives in California. I live in New York. So he's on the other side of the country. We try to get out there once a year. It's, you know, I have a family of four, you know, plane tickets. And mm-hmm. um, so I think that would probably be, you know, just adventures, just taking my family on adventures. You know, we try to do trips during breaks and trips during the summer. So I think that's my biggest splurge. You know, some people feel like, you know, buying expensive name brand things mm-hmm. makes them feel good. And that's great. And I, I am not opposed to that. And I definitely, you know, buy something really nice with the name brand, it does make me feel good. But I think what makes me feel rich and abundant is being able to do those types of things. Yeah. And, and most make, OTs, yeah. most OTs do. And that's mm-hmm. one of the reasons why it was, you know, what do you stand for and what do you stand against? One of the things I was standing against and one of the reasons I joined Rachel Rogers program was because it was like Jeff Bezos going up in a spaceship. Like that still ticks me off. <laughs> it really, really does. And I'm like a socialist you know, I, I lived in the U.S., so I, I understand capitalism. And I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, Jeff, you've got all this money. You can do whatever you want with it. Far be it for me to tell you, I don't have all that money. And then, like, the Canadian socialist in me is like, gosh darn it. I really <laughs> could be doing more than going up. Anyways, I'm not going to get started on that. But, um, yeah, I find that, you know, OTs, it's not like go get that yacht. It's not the bro marketing that I saw a lot of physios doing in yeah. particular. And I was like, that guy's I, can't, crazy. I can't handle. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the last question is, if I could wave my magic money wand and put seven figures into your business right mm. now, into your business, what would you spend it on? Ooh, I don't know. That's a good question. What would I spend it on in my business? I would probably spend it on 
maybe a marketing, something marketing, a way to reach more people. Again, back to that impact goal, a way to put what I have in front of more people so that I can serve at a higher scale. Mm -hmm. And I'm not sure what that would look like, but I think that would be my my goal. Mm -hmm. I love it. I would actually, I think you've said it beautifully. I think that might be mine as well. I feel like we've got so much in common. Like there's a lot of similarities in how Mm -hmm. we think and how we approach things. You do coaching, you know, you're not OT specific anymore. We both had bricks and mortars. We both pivoted, et cetera, et cetera. And you were the one to suggest this topic when we connected about you coming on the podcast. And I'm really grateful that you did suggest this because I love what we've put out here today. I love that there's this balance of the woo and the logic. And I love that we're unapologetically talking about this and Mm -hmm. saying, you know, you can lean in even if you're not an Enneagram 3 and you want more and you just don't want to say it out loud. We see you. We're good. Mm -hmm. So where Mm -hmm. can people find you, Tanya? Um, You can find me on LinkedIn at Tanya-PetersonOT. I'm on Instagram at TanyaPeterson.me. My website is TanyaPeterson.me. Facebook, TanyaPeterson.me. So almost all the... (laughs) Consistency. TikTok, Tanya Pearson got me, although I'm not, I'm not very present on TikTok, but I, I do dabble. So yeah. And then if I could just add one more quick thing. The other thing I've learned from doing this over the past few years, working with people, either whether in the career space or in the business space or the entrepreneur space, people, when you really get deep with them and you say, what are your goals? What do you want? They, they have no idea. I know. They say, I you know, all the time. I, I want to be successful. You know, I want to, I want to have money. I want, I want to have this. But when you get deeper than that, they don't know what that looks like. Like, what does mm-hmm. success look like for you? Success for you might look very different than it looks like for me. Mm-hmm. So the one piece of advice I want to leave your audience with is, you know, think of your goals and your, the things that you're trying to achieve as a GPS. You can't get somewhere in your GPS if you don't have a destination put in. Mm-hmm. So just really getting very deep with yourself. For me, success looks like freedom. That is my biggest core value. I want to be free. The idea of being chained to a desk or being chained to a a hospital or something like that, that is stifling to me. Mm -hmm. Like that makes me, it gives me a stomach ache. And that's why I didn't survive as an OT, to be honest. The productivity and the standards and the things like that were not aligned with one of my core values, which is freedom and flexibility. So when you're clear on those things, when you're clear on where you're going with your GPS on your destination, it becomes much easier to make decisions because you only have to make decisions that are aligned with where you're going. And if something's not aligned, then it's an easy no, right? So that's just one thing I wanted to leave with your audience. It's to get really, really, really crystal clear on where you're going and what you want and what you desire. And, you know, be unashamed of that. It's okay. It's human, right? And just like anything else in nature, we were meant to flourish, right? We bloom and we grow and it's okay to want that for yourself. You don't have to stop. Like when we're kids, we're unabashedly, I'm going to do this and I want to be that. And everything is possible. And somewhere along the way, I don't know if it's, you know, formal education or college or I don't know, but we, we lose that sense of wonder and we lose that belief in ourselves. So one thing I want to leave with your audience. I love that. Thank you for bringing your eloquence today. Thank you for having me. This was super fun. I look forward to it all week. Me too. This has been OTs Get Paid, recorded live in Studio C. That's Studio Closet, 
I'm Trish Williams. If you have feedback on today's episode, send us a DM on IG at OTs Get Paid or join our Facebook group at OTs Get Paid. We would really love to hear from you. We'd also love it if you could subscribe and write a review for the podcast. Each month, I'll pick a random review for a shout out to get your name and business on the air. Until next time. <laughs>